Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. We are uh, in this uh, Thanksgiving season, and uh, as we approach uh, that season, it's obvious that we would take time and and um, get into that rhythm. I really love how um, the holidays do kind of force upon us certain rhythms, and um, with Thanksgiving, it's it's a rhythm I think we would all say that uh, we're in need of uh, as a, as a people, um, as a nation, as individuals. Um, we could all use some uh, time of just reflection and pause and appreciation and uh, being thankful, especially to God, first and foremost, for, for who He is and what He's done for us. And um, so it's an it's a incredible season to be in. And so we're starting a new series uh, aptly titled uh, Thankful. And uh, really, it'll have to do with uh, giving us some lessons, some attributes on how to be able to to really experience the pleasure, the joy that comes with being thankful. I think a lot of times we have a distorted situation, a distorted view of uh, thankfulness. And in fact, in our country, it's like uh, Christmas music has started already. Uh, November 1st, I was seated in a coffee shop and uh, I had to leave because Christmas music was playing. Uh, but now I'm just kidding, but it really has. And then I saw a meme the other day that was uh, pretty accurate. It says, uh, we, you know, we're not ignoring Thanksgiving. Uh, we're just running, you know, Christmas from November 1st up till the day before Thanksgiving. And then, uh, the day after all the way to Christmas. So, uh, nobody's ignoring Thanksgiving. It gets its own day. And that's kind of the vibe. That's kind of, uh, how, uh, many of us approach it because our lives are just so consumed with everything else and we're so busy and we're so running and, and uh, we get there and it's kind of you pause and even in that pause, even in that day, a lot of times for most of us, it constitutes uh, eating a meal, uh, joking around with uh, uh, friends and family and then watching football. And so as a result, if we're not careful, we can hit this season like a speed bump and really miss the joy really miss the gratification that comes from being thankful. And so what I'm hoping to do in these next uh, few weeks is to at least have some space in your life for you to carve some time and just say, Lord, am am I doing this uh, gratefulness, thankfulness thing right? Do I have an attitude of gratitude? And uh, and if not, why not? And how can I get there? So uh, that's really where we're headed the next few weeks is to be able to help you when you come in and we'll look at the scriptures and really try to get us in a, in a proper framework to uh, be appreciative for who God is and what He's done for each of us. And along the way, hopefully, prayerfully, we'll learn how to be grateful for one another uh, as well along the way. Many of us have not been taught really well how to be thankful and how to express that thanks. And uh, so hopefully in the next few weeks you'll gain uh, some of that. So instead of moving to the next thing so often, we'll be able to appreciate the things that we have right in front of us. I'm going to ask if you would, go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 is where we'll be today. If you're on our Bible app, feel free to to, uh, go down to events on the bottom right, click that button, it'll open up a map um, or a list, but go to the map view, it'll tell you, it knows where you are, because the the world is watching. Click on that button, and uh, you'll have your notes for today. But uh, otherwise, you can go to Luke chapter 17, and um, we're going to be there. I'm going to ask if you're able to, If you would, stand with me as we read the Scriptures together. (laughs) 
Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. It's an interesting story, a story that I, I uh, don't recall preaching a whole lot of in uh, 20 years, but um, it's a story that uh, provides a lot of context and a lot of uh, blessing for us today. So uh, we'll start in Luke 17, starting in verse 11, and uh, the Word of God goes like this. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing, he being Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, so he's on the outside of this village, as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. And they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, how many were healed? Ten. How many came back? One. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Father, we pray that we would learn from the one. We pray that we would learn from this foreigner. We pray that we would learn from this Samaritan at a time and an age when Samaritans were not given respect or honor. Um, in fact, they were avoided. The, the life lesson here comes from that very one. And so, Father, we pray that we would humble ourselves. We pray, God, we would uh, tear down barriers that we might have. And, um, Father, that we would learn from our teacher, the one Samaritan. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. So it says, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered the village, so he's on the outside of the village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. And they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Let me show you something first. When, when we, we see Jesus, he's outside of this town. He's outside of this area. But he's in an area that is actually uh, on one side, essentially Samaritan. Samaritans weren't considered full persons if you were Jewish. If you were Jewish, the, the Samaritan was the Jewish person who had intermarried at some point, and it, it became an interracial situation. And so what was happening is, in that time and that day, the pure Jews, the ones that felt like that they had it right, they'd done it right, they obeyed God, and they, they had it all together, they were distant from the Samaritans. They, they looked at, they had this, this, this idea when Jesus says the word foreigner, Jesus is saying like, hey, um, you guys are the ones that are creating all this barrier, but look at them. Like this is the one that's doing it right. But they had this distance created that said, no, 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 you all are unclean. You all are not the right people. You're not pure. You're not the people God loves. And as a result, you stay away. So the entire area, the entire region 
first of all, had people that the Jewish people felt like all of you guys can just go. We don't even care what happens to you. You're not our people. You're not one with us. You're considered a foreigner. You're not in. We're not close. Let's not be friends. And then, in addition to that, you had people that were outside of the town's limits. Now, you and I might go, well, it's no big deal. It just means, you know, just means they're on the beltway. Pretty close to Baltimore. I mean, like, they lie and tell everybody they're from Baltimore. But, <laughs> you guys didn't like that. Yeah. For the viewing audience, I'm in Baltimore County, making fun of Baltimore County. It's not really smart. But, so, so here's the thing. So, so we, we go and they, we got this, this group of people called the Samaritans. They were kind of the other. They were separate. But then outside of that even, outside of the town even, there's another group of people that were outside not because they just lived in the county. Not because they lived in the suburbs. They were outside of the walls of the region. They were outside the walls because they were sent there because they were considered unclean. They were lepers. Their, their skin was rotting and, and, and falling off. As you read stories, you can Google it. I don't want to drag it out here. But when you read about what was a leper's skin condition, there's, there's a, a list of different conditions. And some of them are kind of just rash irritations and everything. And they'd overreact because they didn't understand the, the, the role that germs were playing. But, but in that, that day, you have a whole risk. But then you have like genuine like leprosy. You have like, like um, limb-eating bacteria that is taking off the, the skin and, and eating away at the people. And they, they, they didn't know how to deal with this. And so the, 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 the law says, if you have someone who has this condition, you have to send them outside of the camp. Now, when we read that, we read it with our Western eyes in the year 2018, and we read that and go, how terrible. But if you actually look at the health standards of the day, this was like the best thing. This was like modern medicine. Because it, when you had people um, interacting with one another, passing around a disease, they, they didn't know what to do. And, but the law, the scriptures, actually say, this is how you need to handle it. So God providentially gave the Jewish people the ability, the opportunity to, to um, hone in on these big sicknesses. And so in one hand, it feels terrible because it's like, oh man, they're putting them outside the camp. On the other hand, it's actually brilliant medicine for the day and time to say, hey, you have to eliminate the bacteria. When the Ebola uh, virus broke out, um, what did they do? You quarantine people. You go, hey, we're going to shut this place down, zip it up, you know, duct tape the, the rooms, and, and we're going to quarantine this thing. Well, that's essentially what was happening. What was happening was if you had leprosy and your skin's falling off, you were contagious with others, and, and the, the law said that you need to get that person outside the town. And so leper colonies were formed where essentially, hey, you're a leper, I'm a leper, can't hurt each other, <laughs> let's hang out. And so you, you had these, these colonies, these groups of people that would hang out, and that's what Jesus bumped into. So all of that being said, here's what you have to see about Jesus right away before we, we even talk about how to be thankful and why we should be and all that. Think about this. No place is out of place for Jesus. No place is out of place for Jesus. We live in a day and age when the modern, the most advanced, brilliant thinking of humanity, at least in the Western culture and especially in our country, is let's find out how many ways 
we are not alike. That's the brilliance. That's what we've, we've come to. That, that's the epitome of human thinking right now, is you have the most powerful nation in the world eating itself away because everybody's trying to find out a difference. And the bulk of this nation still claims to follow this guy. This is the guy who went down to an area to begin with, if you were a, a, a full-fledged true Jew, you wouldn't even put yourself in this environment. You wouldn't even allow yourself to be around those people. And that's exactly what he did. He took a route that would put him in, into a place to encounter the Samaritan people. But not only that, he's encountering the lepers. The people that you're not supposed to even be around. And, and the fact is, the Scripture says that they stood off at a distance. They had to stay away at least six feet from any human contact. That was the rule. But they stood off at a distance, and they looked at Jesus, and they, and they heard about Jesus. Now, this was there were other miracles already done by now, and so Jesus was developing a rep. I mean, he was kind of like the, the latest rock band coming through town. He was, you know, the Bieber of the time. And, and don't ever go out and tell people, oh, my pastor compared Jesus to Bieber. No, no. No, no, you'll get the sermon wrong. But the idea was that there was a reputation already. There was a reputation. It's like, oh, Jesus is coming through? Check it out. Now, they didn't have 758 channels on direct TV to occupy their time. So it's kind of like, hey, there's a party coming. Every time this guy goes through a place, something happens. Like, he gets chased out. People get, get healed. People jump off the edge of, of you know, uh, uh, cliffs. Like, well, something's weird. So let's go check out Jesus. And so these guys, they had already heard about who Jesus was. They had already heard about his ability to heal. And so they cry out to him and they say, hey, they'd say, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. You know what they knew? They understood their condition. They understood they were lepers. They understood they were outcasts. They understood their human condition. Do you know what helps? And it's, it's not going to be on your screen, but do you know what can help you be thankful? Have a proper view of who you are. Have some self-awareness. So many of us are, are, are oblivious to the blessings that God pours on us because we have a higher view of ourselves and our situation that is actually true. Go to a hospital. I got word this week that a guy that's come up from North Carolina to serve with us for a couple of years. He's in his early 40s. He's just a few years older than me. But he passed away the other day from cancer. You want to be thankful? Have a proper view of yourself. Have a real clear-eyed picture of who you are and where you are in life and what could happen to you at any moment. That'll help up your, your game of gratitude. But a lot of us, we're just so, we, don't, we, won't, we won't say it out loud. But we're just so arrogant with our day-to-day -day existence. And we've got so much that's been a blessing that we don't give credit to God for. So we just kind of feel like, well, it's all on me. Good thing I'm here. The rest of y'all are blessed by my presence. And, and, and we carry ourselves. And there's not much gratitude. And it's coming from us not really understanding our current condition. We don't really understand 
that there's anything we need to be thankful for. And so therefore, we don't give very much thanks. But these guys, they understood their condition. They're the outcast of the outcasts. So they were Samaritans, but Jesus went there. Jesus broke down some boundaries. He already done it actually in John 4. And, and, and so now he was doing it again, making a point, proving a point to the Jews. Verse 14, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. What? What? Hey, this is so weird. They're like, hey, have mercy on us. Like you see us over here, bro. Like we're dying. Like literally, not figuratively, not crying, you know, not like teeny bopper baby. Like, like we're dying here. And, and, and you're going to tell us to go for a hike? Go, go show myself to the priest? How many of us would have argued against Jesus? I know some of you would have. Like, we would have, right? We'd have been like, hold on, hold on. I'm asking you to heal me right now. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Be obedient right now. I don't want to be obedient. I want what I want, and I want it now, right? Like, we do this now. That's how I know we would do it in front of Jesus. We'd just be like, I asked you for healing. He's like, take a walk. If I walk, I might lose my foot, Jesus. Like, I have leprosy. Like, what are you asking me to do here? And so that's the scenario. He said, give me healing. I'll give you an assignment. Oh. How many times are we asking God to do something for us? And he says, you haven't done the last thing I told you to do. You're trying to bark out orders like you're the captain. And I don't know if you understand this, but my nameplate's on the door. It says God. And the last time I asked you to do something, you still haven't done that yet. But here you are barking more orders at me. And you got nerve that if I don't do what you want to do at the time you want me to do it in the way you want me to do it to your good pleasure, you'll get grumpy with me? Awesome. Who's God? Who's the God of that equation? And so Jesus, he didn't respond to them right away and say, hey, as he does other times, right? Like other miracles. He's like, he's, they're like, hey, I can't see. He's like, you know, like, okay, could have done it a different way, but thanks a lot. Appreciate that, right? Like Jesus like, has all these different ways. Sometimes he's just like, be well, stand up. And say, okay, good. Like he does all this stuff. But it, with these dudes, he was just kind of like, hey, um, take a walk. Go talk to the priest. What? But look what it says. It says, as they went. As they went. Went, they were cleansed. You know why he told them to go look, go talk to the priests? It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. You had to go verify yourself clean again. If you experienced healing, or if you got cleaned up, if you were no longer bleeding, if you weren't in danger, the law required that you go through an eight-day process where essentially you come to the priest and you're like, priest, got it all good. Not sick anymore. Check me out. And the priests are like, okay, cool. And they got this eight-day deal where they, they make you kind of hang out for a week. They quarantine you and kind of leave you alone. They're like, yeah, you look all right. You know, hang tight. And then just make sure you don't get messed up. 
So then after that, they let you go back into society. And the priest says, hey, good job, you're, you're, you're good to go. Now, they didn't do this because that was pre-Jesus. But, but, but the thing is, is that he, he was telling them, he was telling them, go see the priest. Do what I want you to do. And when you do what I want you to do, you'll find a healing that you want to be instant oatmeal. You want instant oatmeal, but I want you to, to go in the process and be changed. And it says, as they went, they found the healing they were looking for. They obeyed Jesus. It was the obedience. It was the belief. It was the confidence in Him that brought about the change. Can you imagine if they said, hold up, yo. I said, I want healing now. They'd have never found healing. Because they would have been stomping their feet and questioning God and mad at their circumstance. But no, they, they went. They, they, they believed. They were like, we don't, okay. We don't know how. It doesn't make sense to us. You've done it different ways for different people. Why aren't you doing it that way for me? But, but okay. Obey you and you'll heal me. Obey you and you'll heal me. Sweet. So they started to walk. The faithful put feet to their faith. The faithful put feet to their faith. Seven point four billion people on the planet, and if we were to count those that profess with their mouth Jesus is Lord, we'd have one number. But if we only counted those who put feet to their faith, whose bank accounts reflect obedience, whose time and service to others reflected obedience, who look like the sheep from Matthew twenty five, if all we could count are those people. It's a new game. It's a new game. Because you could tell me all day long what you believe. But when Jesus asks you to do something in His name, are you going to do it? And if you say no, I don't even know if you know His name. And I'm not the one saying that. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and my sheep obey. And so here these guys were, they wanted to have healing so bad. They said, hey, Master, would you have mercy on us? He's like, hey, take a walk, go see the priest. They're like, okay. So they start walking. And as they believe, they, they obeyed. Then verse 15, then one of them, this had to be so good. I wish, I wish we had video, right? Like you watch a football game that's meaningless and they got 360 video now where you can catch every little movement of a, of a shirt or a, a shoe. But look what happened here. They're walking back now. I mean, they're walking to the priest. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. I love how there's a period in a new sentence. 
Now he was a Samaritan. It's like punchline, baby. It's like, it's like a Chris Rock joke. It, it, it's, here's the one that came back to the Jewish Messiah. It was the Samaritan. It was the outcast. It was the one that the Jewish people didn't even like. He was the one that came back. Fell on his face before Jesus. Celebrated with a loud voice. And, and, and so here we have this, this, this healing take place. Look, look, you're not truly thankful until you overflow with thanks. You're not truly thankful. You can't say, I'm thankful, but I'm going to stop right here because I'm just not going to let it come out. You can't tell me you're thankful, but you never express it because you're not full yet. You are thankful when you are overflowing with gratitude, when you're overflowing with praise, when it's let out. You're you're not truly thankful unless you're letting people know because like you can't contain it. Why? Because you're full. I'm so full. I've got to tell you. This is why when you eat a great meal somewhere, you just can't help it. You go, mmm. It's just the expression comes out if you're genuinely thankful. If you're genuinely thankful, if it's real, it will come out. But he praised God with a loud voice, fell on his face at Jesus' feet. You know what also that says? To fall on his face at his feet. Remember the last time he saw Jesus? He was at a distance. Hey, 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 hey. Will you heal, heal, heal me? But now, with gratitude, where does he go when he has gratitude for the healing that God brought him? He goes right back to God. Right back to his feet. And he humbles himself. Before the world had humbled him because of his condition. Before the world had said, you're an outcast. Before the world said, you're not worthy. Now, who was the one? It was him. I'm not worthy. You will praise in proportion to your pain. You will praise in proportion to your pain. When you understand the gravity of your sin, when you understand the weight of your brokenness and emptiness. When you understand all of this, you will praise in proportion to the pain. If you don't think you have a lot to be saved from, meaning I'm not a very sinful person, I'll show you a... Hey, this is Tolly Wilkes of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. lot to be saved from, then you will not be a very thankful person. But if you're a person who understands the depth and the gravity of who you are, the depth of your sin, the, the, not that the sin caused problems with people, but that the sin, every time you sin, you create enmity with God, you separate yourself from God. And that should hurt you. And the greater degree of that pain the greater degree when you understand you're saved by the grace of God through, through faith in Jesus Christ, that 
gravity will cause you to say, wow, I was so distant from you and you close the gap like that. And God, I thank you so much for who you are. Jesus, I praise your name. Thank you for building a bridge from heaven to earth. I'm not worthy, but you are. And so gratitude and thankfulness overflow to the degree that I understood that I was hurting. Many of us today, we numb our pain and dull our pain and take medicines and alcohol and, and, and drugs and we just try to cover up our pain and so as a result, we never fully grasp the depth of our pain. But if you meet a humble person, you're meeting a broken person. And at the end of your life, you will be humble one way or the other. The Scripture tells us that every knee one day will bow. We'll all look like that Samaritan who just got healed. And every tongue will confess, Jesus, You are Lord of my life. The sad thing is, is that some people, many people, won't be humble before God until that moment. But there is a whole lot of time before then to where you could humble yourself in the presence of God and, and, and you can be like the Samaritan and say, no, 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 I realize the depths and the weight and the gravity of my sin and I, I so understand the need for your salvation. One thing that breaks me for the American church right now and, and as a pastor, you kind of watch podcasts and see what's going on and, and just see and, and I'm just seeing so much and I never thought I would be this guy, but I'm, I'm seeing so much where it's cotton cotton candy Christianity and, 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 and boom bop pop. And it's like, hey, God loves you. Grace is enough. Awesome. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you never hear like why grace is good. You, you never are asked to contemplate the broken places because it's all good all the time. All happy all the time. And, and, and as a result, I never understand the distance that was between me and God. I never understand why I need to be thankful. But man, if I understand that, and at the same time, I don't live in a guilt place. I don't live in a legalistic place. I live in this place where I understand the distance was huge, but my God was huger. My God was big. My God loves me. And so here this guy, he, he turned around. How could you be healed? You're, you're walking. I told you I wish there was a, 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 a 360 degree cameras on this, but there are 10 people walking towards the priests. And can you imagine just all at once, all of a sudden? Whoa. Wow. Hold on. My skin, it, it, it's, it's clean. It's cleansing. It's, it's, whoa, what's happening? And nine keep walking. And in their excitement and in their joy about their situation, they forget the one who did the healing. And all they want to do is go get back with their friends. I miss my family. I miss my friends. I miss hanging out. I miss Sunday football. And I need to get around my friends. And so since I'm trying to get around my friends, I don't have time to praise Jesus. I'm sure you know no one like that. I, Jesus, I don't have time right now. I've got other things. My schedule. I can't serve. I can't give. I can't love. I, can't, I don't have time. I've got to get with my friends and family. And nine, nine made that choice. Jesus answered. Jesus answered. We're not ten cleansed. Where are the Nine. Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? 
By the way, just so you know, this use of accept this foreigner, this was Jesus proving a point. He was opening up the faith from the Jewish people being all by themselves in the love of God and the favor of God. And he was creating a new covenant by himself, by his blood. And in this new covenant, you would see a whole, a whole battle in the New Testament about can we let those Gentiles in? And so Jesus, with his life, with his words, with his healing, with his love, was saying, dang right, we're going to let the Gentiles in. And his point was proven here to say, none of y'all came back to praise me. And so the use of the term is no one coming except the foreigner is not begrudging and it's not disparaging and it's not hurtful. It's actually documented to show the Jewish people God is doing a new thing and we're going to let more people in and we're going to love broader and we're going to love across some barriers and it's going to feel uncomfortable to you but you don't have the role of judge. You have the role of witness and you need to testify and you need to live out the love of God. The judgment happens later and I'm too worried about me for me to be actively against you. And so in this moment, he's saying, you know what? The only one that did this thing right was the one that everyone else had cast off. It's a beautiful picture. Nine got something from Jesus. One got Jesus. Isn't that good? Nine got something from Jesus, but one got Jesus. One came back and said, I praise You, Lord. You are Lord. You are the One. I lift up my praise, my worship, my adoration comes to You. And I'm connected to You in a different way. Those guys, they all just got something from You. It was a hit and run. Me, I came back. I want You. I want to give you thanks. I want to tell you that you matter. I want to give you the glory that you deserve. The Scriptures say that they all called out Master. But how many of them actually meant the Word? And how many used that title because they thought that was the proper way to butter him up? To get what they really want. Do you want something from Jesus? Or do you want Jesus? God can give you stuff. But, my friends, God is the only one that can give you life. I'm going to leave you with this question. I thought about what is it I can, can, can give you as you leave and something to write down and ponder as you're headed towards Thanksgiving. Here's a question. If God gave you the answer to all your prayers, would you ever truly know Jesus? If God gave you the answer to all of the prayers you're praying right now, would you truly know Jesus? Lord, I need You to help heal that person. Fine, I'll heal them. 
Lord, I, I need you to be with the pygmies. And I, okay, fine, we'll do that. Uh, Lord, I need you a few more dollars in my account. If you don't mind, I'd like this promote. Okay, cool, I'll give you that. And, and Lord, um, I want you to, you know, my so-and-so has cancer. Okay, cool, I'll heal it. Um, and we go through. And at the end of it all, when you're done all your prayers, if God answered all the prayers you're praying right now, would you know Jesus? Or would you just have more stuff? Feel better about this life. Take a placebo till you die. See, I believe, friends, that thanksgiving, thankfulness, gratitude come from this deep well of understanding just how broken we are. And we understand the distance between us and God has been filled. The void has been filled by Jesus for His glory and for your good. And if you will spend your time understanding that there's so much more to this, that, that the obedience that He gives you, you walk out your faith because the faithful put feet to their faith. And maybe it's time, instead of asking God for one more thing that you don't need, maybe it's time that we start obeying Him in the last time you talk to Him. Because there you might actually see His face. And I promise you, in good times and in bad times, when you meet Jesus, when you see Jesus, when you hear from Jesus, when you're walking with Jesus, there's nothing better. There's nothing sweeter. I know people that are materially blessed like crazy that are struggling with drug addiction and porn addiction and alcohol addiction and addiction, addiction, addiction. Why? Because they still can't find Jesus even though they found money. And I know the poorest people on the planet who have zero to their name. You and I would crack under the weight of even thinking that we would have to be that poor for the rest of our life. And these are some of the happiest people I've ever met on this planet. Because they have something that you and I don't have often. And that is a thankful heart towards their Savior. And they live out obedience no matter what they have. I want to encourage you today. I want to challenge you today. To be thankful. To be grateful. To put feet to your faith. To obey the Lord. To walk with the Lord. Pray for His presence and an understanding of who He is. Pray for you to be a, an, an actual reflection of His love to this world. And go out into this world this week and the weeks, weeks to come. And, and, and maybe you can make your life, maybe you can make your life the reason that someone sits down to pray at their dinner table in a few weeks and says, Lord, thank You for that blessing. Maybe you don't look to try to fill up your own blessing jar the next couple of weeks. Maybe what you do is you go out and you love and you serve and you give in such a way that you're the reason someone thanks God in three weeks.